You're listening to From Up, the fermented food podcast where we get together every week to discuss anything and everything fermented. We're your hosts, Brandon and Allison, and this week we're talking about my new upcoming cookbook, The Everyday Fermentation Handbook. All this and more in episode 73. Brandon, how was your 4th of July? It was awesome. I had so many fermented foods and it was great and Okay, in reality, it's still not the 4th of July because we're recording two episodes back to back because we actually want to be able to enjoy the 4th of July and any time around there, traveler, whatever. And so, yes, we're actually recording this before. But you listeners have probably already enjoyed your 4th of July meals and hopefully you included plenty of uh, ferments in there. We kind of wanted to do a back to back recording session because... We're going to talk about your cookbook that's coming out in um, the next few weeks. Yes, if anyone hasn't heard, it's coming out uh, August, the beginning of August, the very beginning of August. It'll be out. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Maybe say the name of your cookbook? Uh, Yeah, it's the Everyday Fermentation Handbook, a real life guide to fermenting food without losing your mind or your microbes. And I just I like that title. The the subtitles, like more my my editor's thing or as if anyone's has written a book or whatnot. I mean, so much of the title becomes the thing of the the publisher, but you know, I had a little bit of say in the, in the title of it, but I like the losing your mind and your microbes because in reality, I kind of did lose my mind in microbes um, during the process of making this book because it was an intense period of, of making a lot of ferments all at the same time. And then experimenting with all different kinds of new ways of incorporating them into my life. And then into these new different recipes and, uh, and kind of upping the game of a lot of the things I make in general. So it was a great experience, but the title really does kind of, uh, kind of fit what you, what the reader won't have happen is in result of having it had happened to me, if that makes any sense. No, I think it's a great title. I actually love it because sometimes when you are fermenting, you can really lose your mind thinking, is this going to work? Am I doing this right? How am I going to use all five gallons of this kimchi I'm making? Oh, I spent so much money getting all of these specialty ingredients. And then if it doesn't work, then you literally lost your microbes. So I think it's a great title. And um, I mean, you, you sent it to me a few weeks ago to look through and I really like the layout of how you have everything organized. Well, layout too. I was actually really happy with uh, the, the graphic designer that, that laid this out too. like, just, just even visually, I think that it, it, they worked really well with the photographs that I had and came up with something that really kind of fit the personality of the book. And, but I think you're referring more specifically to the, 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 the layout of how things are like, kind of like we were talking about in last episode, kind of like the, there, the first part of the book is all about base ferments. It's all about what can a person ferment in their home. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the second part is all about what to do with these ferments, uh, because some of those base ferments are delicious in their own right and taste great just by themselves. But a lot of them work excellent as ingredients as well. And so that's what I try and try and incorporate into the, the part two of the book. So uh, like a third of the recipes are all on like how to use these different ferments. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I was mostly referring to was, um, the wording that you have in there, you know, you have it divided into four different sections where the first part is really getting to know your microbes and the science behind fermentation, um, and the history behind the microbes. Um, and then you have some really great starter recipes for side dishes, or, um, as we've talked about now in two episodes in a row as ingredients, um, and then how to use those ingredients to create uh, other foods and kind of make um, this layer of fermented foods on top of fermented foods. 
what was um, your inspiration for all of all of this book and for all of these different kinds of ferments? Like, how did you come up with all of these great recipes? Well, mainly, like I was kind of uh, I've talked about in the past is I was. Uh, a lot of my inspiration for trying to figure out how to make fermented foods approachable for the masses, I guess, for beginners or for people that maybe ferment different things, but don't ferment all kinds of things. Like as a fermentation generalist, I like to ferment a whole range of stuff and which is great. But at the same time, I don't have that ability to just master one single thing and do an excellent job at that and not have to be distracted by so many other things. So I'm constantly distracted by different kinds of ferments and what's new and exciting or different for myself. Like what can I ferment now? What's going to unlock the flavor potential this time? And so for myself as a fermentation generalist, I wanted to figure out like how, how could I make this approachable for the beginner and not make it too overwhelming. And a cookbook is a nice format for that because someone can just kind of pick and choose the the recipes they want. And as someone dives in deeper, they can kind of spread out and try different things. And so like the, the recipes are really a way to get people excited about making a lot of different kinds of ferments because that's what I'm kind of really drawn to. And again, someone doesn't have to, and someone doesn't, I also tried to structure it in the book where most of the ferments weren't too odd, where if someone wanted to only ferment, say, the kimchi and they didn't want to ferment the the butter themselves or different stuff like that, then they could purchase some of the ingredients, make some of the others. But if someone wanted to like dive way in deep, then just make all ingredients because there's certain – a few of the recipes have like five or six different fermented ingredients in them. Which sometimes can be kind of tough. Like I know that some recipes, that's kind of the pain thing is like if there's so much that has to be done for them before you can even make it, then it's kind of one of those things where, well, that's a lot of investment in time and energy and doing different stuff. But that's kind of the whole point of the book is to get people excited about making all these different kinds of things. So I tried to balance that too. Does that make any sense? No, it makes sense. Um, And so the what was – so you just really wanted a handbook that – people can open up and then find lots of different uh, general recipes and then specifically how to use them. Is there hopes for um, that they can start using, thinking a little more outside of the box and creating their own recipes? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think that a lot of these recipes are just starting points. Like, going with something simple, like something like, like the pizzas in the book. I mean, the pizzas in the book are, there's a kimchi pizza and a feta and pepperoni uh, pizza. So a lot of fermented toppings in that, and then the cheese is fermented and the sourdough is fermented, but a person doesn't have to ferment every single one themselves. Um, and maybe sometimes, like I know for myself, I make a lot of pizza and it's not always with the fermented ingredient beyond the sourdough pizza dough. Uh, but, but at the same time, like a lot of these recipes are kind of that thing where people can learn if they haven't already known how to make some of these recipes, they can make the pizza and then they know how to make uh, an amazing uh, Neapolitan delicious pizza crust, a thin crust pizza. And then that can be used in all other kinds of recipes, uh, other, other kinds of pizzas that someone makes makes regularly or not. And it's also a great way to use a sourdough starter. And so then there, there are other things that are like some of the rices. Again, it's about like showing people, what do I do with all these ferments? Some of them are more advanced, but some of them are pretty darn simple. Like, so some of the things like kimchi and rice, uh, has a few different ferments in it. Uh, there's, there's natto and, and fried rice. I mean, and I think that sometimes for someone starting out with some of the funkier ferments, which generally I would say natto is kind of in there that, uh, that fermented 
uh, soybeans with a uh, bacillus subtilis that makes it all kind of slimy. And in general, a lot of people think it's kind of gross. Well, throw it into fried rice and you can get the amazing flavors of the natto and kind of warm up to those flavors. And then uh, maybe eventually start to eat it a little with a little less cover up. But um, it's also a great way. Some of these recipes are, are, are a cover up kind of thing. It's like, how do you make something fermented that someone may not really be that like someone might be kind of grossed out by fish sauce and there's not a fish sauce base recipe in the book, but at the same time, it's fermented fish sauce is something a very popular ferment throughout the world. So that's included in some of the recipes and, and so making it so it's subtle enough. So it's, if even someone that's turned off by fish sauce when they smell it, which I think most people probably kind of are, uh, although I kind of am starting to think it smells delicious, but being able to throw that and cover it up into something too. So some of these things really highlight an ingredient and others are really kind of, uh, subtle. Like there's the peanut butter and sauerkraut cream cookies. They don't scream sauerkraut, but the sauerkraut flavor is definitely there. Now, is it more of like a salty flavor or um, a sour flavor that they're con- like this peanut butter cookies con- they're contributing to? I just can't wrap my head around something like that. Like, what can you give us maybe a an a verbal explanation of how it tastes? Sure, they're sweet, so it's it's not like a savory cookie, but they are a little bit saltier than uh, than a, than a cookie. So they they're they're not super sweet. So. I say it works great as a not super sweet dessert, kind of like maybe with a, you know, an after dinner beer or uh, some other kind of liqueur or something like that, where it's, you know, so you got the, the, the very much so peanut buttery taste and then, um, a hint of sauerkraut. So the sauerkraut is there, but then that cream just kind of coats the tongue and makes it so it's not as like overpowering or biting. Uh, it's like, it's not super sour. So mm-hmm. that description is probably kind of just falling apart as I'm describing it, because it's really something that people should just try and, and make because thinking about like, say, well, you're pregnant. I mean, uh, like the stereotypical, like peanut butter and pickles. Do you like that? I no, haven't haven't had it yet. Haven't had that. Haven't had that craving. Haven't had that craving yet. Well, but um, I'm thinking more of like the texture of it too. Like how how is the sauerkraut? Because the sauerkraut that I sometimes make at home is very stringy. Do you have to maybe um, cut your sauerkraut into smaller pieces to oh, it's, be able um, to blend it into um, the cookie recipe? Oh, it's, it's blended in, and so it's 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 smooth. It's smooth with the cream. So no, you're not going to have any chunks of sauerkraut. Okay. So okay. yes, so it, it does lose a lot of that. It's just it's that slight hint. If 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 any of the listeners are familiar with like say sauerkraut uh, or pickles and peanut butter, sauerkraut and peanut butter, kimchi and peanut butter, all these things taste delicious together. And so if you haven't tried peanut butter with fermented vegetables, definitely get out there and try it. And then if you want to take that extra step, the peanut butter and sauerkraut cream cookies would be the next step if you like that kind of flavor. But it'd probably be safer to start with the, like say sauerkraut and peanut butter and see if that tastes good on a sandwich, which is delicious. So I highly recommend everyone try it. I don't have that in the cookbook, but I pretty sure I did end up including a, uh, a simple kimchi and peanut butter recipe. So some of these recipes are more involved like that peanut butter and sauerkraut cream cookie recipe that involves like making the cream, making the peanut butter cookies, putting it all together and letting it chill and different stuff like that. But then some of them are really simple like the kimchi peanut butter and it's more like unlocking flavor potential and options in a person's mind and being like hey that actually goes together and that's actually tastes delicious and i would have not necessarily thought of it and so some of them i mean it's like this isn't meant to be a complicated cookbook although some of the things do take days to make and so that's just the balance of fermentation some things are more difficult than others 
So with all of these recipes and stuff, it seems as if you do have a lot of uh, main dishes, but also you have some side dishes or some interesting um, recipes for, say, different kinds of tempeh. Um, can you just eat tempeh by itself? Do people do that? Or is it more, is that itself, like you, you use a fermented side ingredient to make another side? Um, or like, how can you incorporate some of these recipes to make like an entire meal? Can you maybe give us an example of a, a starting from run, one recipe and then creating this maybe gourmet meal out of it? Sure. Well, the the part about like say the tempeh, stepping back to that, like the the recipe I included in there was chickpea and wild rice tempeh, and that one can include different grains. It can include different uh, legumes, um, and that's kind of emphasized in the recipe and in, in in the introduction section. Like a lot of these recipes can be substituted with other things, and I try and emphasize when that's a possibility. But I like the chickpea and wild rice because mainly for the aesthetic, uh, there's an image. I believe it's even on on the fermentationhandbook.com, like the landing page I have for the the website. I pretty sure I have one of those pages in there. Aesthetically, mm-hmm. it looks really pretty with the the contrast of the light chickpeas and the the dark wild rice uh going through uh the the finished molded piece. But if a person isn't even familiar with tempeh, it's it's a a molded legume dish from Indonesia. And so it's it's traditionally soybeans that have been fermented with rhizopus oligosporus. And then they are, they, they form this kind of cloudy mold on top, this beautiful white mold. Uh, and it's, you know, there, there are certain foods that mold is actually a good thing. And this is one of them. And the mold unlocks flavor, kind of alters the flavor. So it's very similar to making koji, which you can also find in the book about how to make koji, the precursor to miso or sake or other ferments. But Unlike koji, which can be eaten by itself, it's it's generally the stepping stone to another thing. Tempeh, that's the final thing. It's it's the mold is what we want, and that's where the flavor comes from. And so once that molds after a couple of days, then it can be diced up, uh, sectioned off. Generally, I make a large batch so that I can freeze some of it. And then Cutting that up into slices, what I really like to do with tempeh, it can be eaten raw. So yes, to answer your question, it can be eaten raw, but I like to, and there's another recipe in the book too, about frying that in some bacon grease. I know that tempeh like has kind of taken on a, um, you know, a vegan and hippie mindset stereotype to a certain extent, which I think is amazing and great because tempeh is, is, is a great food source as a protein alternative. But at the same time, it also tastes delicious with, with, animal grease or other animal parts if a person's interested and open to that because like tempeh and bacon grease it just goes together and so did kimchi too kimchi goes great with any kind of greasy uh pork and so but still fry that up in some uh peanut oil would be more traditional but uh i say try bacon grease if you're interested in that or along with the bacon and so then that can i think be eaten kind of as like tempeh fries i like to chop it up and make it into kind of tempeh fries. And that can be served as like a side dish or dice it up and cube it up and put it into a rice dish or put it with anything. I mean, that's kind of the the idea. A lot of these, these recipes, they, uh, you know, are, are about like the, the, the one thing, like the, the tempeh frying that up, that's going to work more as a side or as an, ing- as another ingredient. So it's like you start with the tempeh as the ingredient and then you, you fry it up and it, be- it alters the ingredient. And then you finally use that fried tempeh in a dish that may also include kimchi or some other kind of ferment in it as well. So there are a lot of things that kind of have those stepping stones 
but um, but most of the time they can also be enjoyed at different points in there. But in order to like kind of incorporate these into like kind of a grand fermented scale and meal is kind of just really uh, the book's not really set up to walk someone through how to do that, but you know, looking at the different recipes, I mean, it's broken up into different sections like rices and pastas and breads and soups and stews, pizzas, sandwiches, desserts, sweets, and snacks. It's, it's kind of set up to be able to be used as a meal or used in the sense of like thinking about, I might have one of these uh, porridges or breads for, for breakfast. I may have this for lunch or for dinner, incorporating a lot of these different things in, um, in a multi, multi-piece meal of sorts. But for the most part, it's not like there's not, it doesn't go as far as like, say pairing these different things with each other beyond what is in the actual dish. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what's your favorite recipe that you have in, in, in the cookbook, or do you have such a favorite recipe that it's, it's secret and you don't even there, it's not even revealed as in, did I not even include it? You didn't even include it. No, I definitely am much more. I I want to share everything, uh, like all the information I have. Like I don't try and keep anything, anything back from people. Um, and there's no like huge reveal of something that you're just going to be blown away with in in the book beyond what I can tell you about and get you super excited about. So in general, like I would say some of the things that I had to, uh, that, that I kind of discovered would probably be some of my more favorite ones at this point, because a lot of these things, you know, I had some of these recipes, but in all honesty, a lot of them weren't polished enough to be like uh, cookbook ready or like I didn't have them. I didn't have specific measurements or whatnot. And I, so like, I really had to spend a lot more time about like thinking about like, okay, how can I convert this into something and translate it into something that someone else can use? But then some of them um, were new to me and in the sense of like, okay, I know how to make this. I know how to make this smash them together and I get this. And so like one of them, which honestly I can tell you, I apologize to anyone from uh, New Orleans, but I still don't know for sure how to pronounce it, even though I have it in my book. The the mufaletta sandwich is that how you say it? I've 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 heard it said a lot of different ways, but I always say mufaletta. Mufaletta. I don't, I don't know. Um. I again, I don't know how to pronounce it either, but uh, uh, that's how I pronounce it. Man, I usually look everything up on YouTube that I'm not sure how to pronounce, but I wasn't for sure going to say that word today. So, but anyway, that sandwich. It's a um, traditionally not all fermented in the way that I have it, but it's, uh, but it's a giant sandwich and it can be served different ways. But like the way that I made sure to make it was making a ginormous sandwich that can be sliced up into large pieces and serve uh, four to six people. And so if you haven't seen one of these sandwiches, look them up online, like the traditional one um, from that original grocery store or whatnot that, that started it. And it's a giant sandwich with that one, you know, I try and recycle recipes too. Like if a person knows how to like, if there's, if there's a recipe in here, like how can they use that recipe in more than one way? So it kind of like, I try to trickle that throughout the whole book. So, um, going on a slight tangent, it's like the ingredients in the ferments being used in otherwise, but like something like the, the, the mufaletta sandwich dough is from a hamburger bun recipe that's, or the, actually, no, it was a roll recipe, a yogurt and sourdough roll recipe that is then converted and slightly altered to make it super large. And so like trying to make things, it's like, okay, you already know how to make this. Now you also know how to make this if you just tweak it a little bit. And so that one I really like because I didn't realize how delicious muffaletta sandwich was uh, cut up and then frozen and then reheated. Usually I don't think of sandwiches being that good frozen and that's not the way to enjoy it in the recipe, but I do mention that. Uh, for me, that was one of the the big uh, exciting points of figuring that out because 
when I was making all of these foods, I didn't have time to consume them all because they were going to just go bad. So some things had to be frozen, even things I didn't know how they would turn out. But man, that sandwich tastes delicious coming out the second time. It's, it's very surprising to me. So like certain things like that were just nice surprises and delicious surprises. And the fermentation aspect comes in beyond just the bread. It's also in the, um, the, the toppings and the, the meats and different things that are in there as well. But then there are other ones like one of, one of my simplest recipes has been a favorite of mine in the summer for a long time. And that's a sriracha cabbage, cabbage salad. And that's just as simple as taking some, some Napa cabbage, fermenting it with carrots. So not doing a full kimchi, but just doing a very plain kimchi of sorts. Uh, and mixing that after that ferments and goes through the fermentation process, mixing that with sriracha and, and mayonnaise and, and a person can ferment the mayonnaise if they want to and go even the, the extra step and ferment the sriracha sauce themselves and it's just a nice, refreshing little salad thing, a way to make something that doesn't taste super fermenty, that's just super refreshing on a hot day. Um, so that's one of the, the really, really simple ones. Uh, but the the other ones, I really like the hard cider pie. And that for so going more on the dessert side of things, that one was uh, one that I hadn't tried, but I was like, okay, I know I can ferment some apples. So what's going to happen when I ferment it? And, and how's that going to change the flavor? And I don't like super, super sweet apple pies. So this adds a, that cuts the, the, the tartness and the sourness of a, um, the fermentation process and a little bit of alcohol in there adds something to it. And really throughout this whole process, I could just kind of go through so many different ones that I really like, but for the most part, I, 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 there, there are, really no, there's no filler recipes in here in the sense of like, oh, I don't know what I need an extra recipe. What am I going to put in here? I had to actually cut out quite a few ideas that I had either because they were just too elaborate. And I didn't get them in in time or they, uh, they, there just wasn't the space for them. And so I kind of had to pick and choose. So I really feel very confident that I believe the final count was 75 recipes. Like I'm really confident that all of them as the base ingredients and then all as the recipes, like I think people will find things that they really enjoy in them. At least that's what I hope. That was the the whole goal of it. And I like making all of them. Yeah. It sounds like um, you have a lot of recipes and I'm, I'm sad. To, I'm sad that you cut some of them out or didn't, wasn't able, weren't able to put them in your, in your book, but maybe that's for round number two, but for people who are listening and um, enjoy the podcast, um, do you have any sort of like special deals or um, information about this cookbook besides the fact that it's coming out sometime in um, the beginning of August? Yeah, the very beginning of August. I mean, the, the reason why I say that too is because it's for the longest time on Amazon, it said July 31st, but t- speaking with my editor is that it's the first week in August and that there was some mix up with the the day. So I don't it's just that first week of, of August. But if a person wants to learn more about it or see some of the images, it's fermentationhandbook.com is probably the simplest place to go. I mean, otherwise you can go to the show notes for this episode at firmup.com slash podcast slash 73. But in general, if you go there, you can order it, pre-order it on, uh, uh, I've got a few different retailers on there, like Barnes and Noble and Amazon for some of the pre-ordering. And if you do pre-order it, since I mentioned it last time, but in case you haven't listened to that episode, like if anyone's listening to this and you click that pre-order button, it's on the honor system. But if, if you uh, pre-order a book, just let me know. Send me an email at Brandon at firmup.com or uh, find me on uh, Twitter. Send me an at reply at Brandon Byers or at firmup. I'll get those either way and uh, or anywhere else, Facebook or otherwise. And just get a hold of me. Somehow tell me that you pre-ordered the book 
and then I'll send you a link to the uh, recording of me, re- like an audiobook version of the first introductory chapters. Not any of the recipes because I haven't figured out a way that that would even be exciting to listen to um, or worthwhile. But maybe, I mean, I guess it could walk you through the steps as you're doing it, but so many of these things are spaced out over time. So that probably wouldn't work. But Anyway, the, the, the main point is that if you want to hear, like sometimes people I know like hearing the author read certain things. So this is like, you can get my kind of take on the first introductory chapters, the first 30 ish pages. And I'm not certain on how long that's going to take because I'm still in the process of recording that, but you will get a link of that if you do, do record. I mean, is that, does that seem like a reasonable thing to like, like a, a thank you to people like to say like, thank you for pre-ordering and supporting this book that I'm super excited about? Yeah. I think it's a great idea. Um, and I hope people go out and pre-order. Um, you know, I, I would pre-order myself. Um, if, well, maybe I will, maybe I will pre-order it just so that I can listen to you talk, um, and describe, um, do the introduction with all of the microbes and stuff like that, because I have read through it. Uh, but it is always kind of fun to listen to the author actually read it for themselves. And you have different ways of interpreting, um, how sentences are structured and stuff like that. Yes, because um, I'm not going to get you a, a copy of the recording. With the, you're going to be the one <laughs> listening to the recording to make sure that it sounds good enough for all of these dear listeners that choose to pre-order. So, so you're, so if if you end up if you end up pre-ordering and not liking it, then blame Allison because she's the the, the final like uh, like I'm just doing this on the side. This isn't with the publisher. So like Allison is going to be the one to say yay or nay on this being the final recording. So. <laughs> Well, I look forward to it. Um, but do you have any other information or anything else that you would like to say about um, your your book and or your recipes? Yeah, in closing, I guess I just say that I really hope that this is a cookbook for for anyone, whether a person's been fermenting for a long time or is just starting. Like, I mean, when I was approached by the the publisher, it's it's was a, a meant to, it's it's meant to be a beginner's book and that's really what it is it's it's for anyone that has not fermented before you can start from the very beginning and learn everything necessary to ferment but it also has a lot of recipes in there that aren't always covered in introductory books like making miso and making koji and making tempeh and making uh nukazuke and doing all kinds of different ferments well i do have one last question um before we wrap this up but um, do you have uh, links to websites or ways to for people who don't know how to? Since you did say this is most uh, this book is for people who don't maybe know a lot about fermentation to learn more about it. Links or information, websites, phone numbers, that sort of thing for people to get starter cultures or where to go to do all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, like well, a lot of that stuff. Like so, someone like if someone's listening to the show and like this is your first time somehow listening to firm up and whatnot and like not knowing where to get a lot of these different things. Like that's the other thing in the book. Like I try and layout is that some of these ferments are um they just they're wild spontaneous fermentation processes that do not require a starter culture per se but then say someone that is looking for a, a starter culture i put some resources in the back of the book i mean it's it's you know like some of the the general ones like gem cultures and uh cultures for health uh and and otherwise and and but also like i really try and urge people to and this is where i think like try and get across in the book is that like fermentation is about community it's about bringing people together and so like really just finding someone in whatever region you're in and seeing if they have fermented cultures as well like it doesn't have to be something where someone has to go out and spend a bunch of money on on cultures like a lot of these things people have in abundance it's just finding the people and so finding finding the other fermentation freaks out there that that are making these things and 
it, that's definitely a way to, uh, to get started. But yeah, otherwise like resources in the back of this book. And then, like I said, like uh, a few of those, um, we can put those links in the, in the show notes too, to get people, get people started if they want to get started before they, their, their book arrives and there's certain ferments they want to make. But really in general, like just this book is makes a great gift. If you're already a fermenter, like it can be for someone new, but also like do consider it for yourself too, because it's one of those books where it covers enough and gives you, especially all the recipes in back. It's like, that's different than a lot of the um, other intro beginner books out there. It's like a lot of it's focused on like what to do with these. So get out there and, and try them and go to fermentationhandbook.com and take a look at the photos, see what some of the other people have to say about the book and, uh, and, in general, you can also just find the link to that if you feel more comfortable. Just go to firmup.com slash podcast slash 73, and you'll find the show notes for this episode with that link and any other links that we were kind of mentioning. And then beyond that, you can find us on Twitter at firmup, on Facebook at firmup, and anywhere else at firmup. And until next time, firm up.